You're listening to the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. We sit down with some of the most highly regarded experts in the field of rehab, from physical therapists, athletic trainers, and much more. We dive into what makes them tick and hear about the lessons they have learned along their journey. Come listen to what these experts have to say. And welcome in to the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Today we have a guest that wears many hats. We have Mike Zaro of University of Maryland, Assistant Professor of the School of Physical Therapy. Mike, welcome in. Hey Chase, thanks for having me. All right, we were talking a little bit pre-show, kind of all the different roles that you kind of play. So why don't you give people a little bit of background information about who you are? Sure. So uh, one of my roles is an assistant professor for the University of Maryland School of Medicine, uh, Department of Physical Therapy and Rehabilitation Science. So that's a long kind of a mouthful, but my role there is to be involved in teaching with our anatomy, physiology, biomechanics, and musculoskeletal rehab content. And so we kind of have a team teaching approach. And so myself and many other faculty are involved in our DPT curriculum each course has a block leader. That's somebody who's a kind of a primary faculty who's in our department every day. And then there's a lot of individuals like myself who are involved in either clinical work or research or some other facets of the department or of the field. And we're brought in for our expertise and we kind of teach throughout the curriculum. Um, So the areas that I'm most involved in, as I mentioned, are uh, anatomy. So in our um, cadaver lab uh, over the summer with our first year students. And then throughout our first year in our basic science courses, we teach physiology, biomechanics, and then as we progress into the second year, uh, we teach musculoskeletal rehab, Um, and then I serve as a clinical instructor for our third-year students when they go out to clinic. Um, And then in addition to teaching, I'm the team physical therapist for two institutions, Um, so both within the University of Maryland system, the University of Maryland College Park, the Terrapins, and then the University of Maryland Baltimore County, the Retrievers, Um, and so I serve as team PT uh, for both of those athletic departments. Gotcha. So kind of tell us a little bit. um, I was doing uh, some background research on you and I saw that you went to University of Maryland for undergrad and for PT school as well. So kind of tell us a little bit about your journey getting to now being a professor in the department that you once graduated from. Sure. Um, So I'm a local guy. I grew up in the D.C. area. Um, Going to University of Maryland was definitely something I was interested in. I grew up as a Terps fan, Um, you know, love Terps football, basketball, all of our other, other sports. Um, So kind of during my college experience there, I was a kinesiology major. Um, I had an interest in physical therapy. I spent, um, you know, time shadowing local physical therapists. And I was fortunate enough to get introduced to the physical therapist working in the athletic department uh, my junior year. And so she was very generous with her time and allowed me to volunteer with her for both my junior and senior year. And that was kind of my first step into the sports PT world. I'd also done some Um, shadowing and volunteering at other local PT clinics, um, kind of outpatient orthopedics, uh, acute care at a hospital down the road, uh, which I definitely enjoyed all of those experiences. But sports PT definitely was the one that kind of caught my eye and definitely I was most interested in. Um, After finishing college, I went to University of Maryland's PT program, which is in Baltimore. So just up the road a little bit and moved uh, north. Uh, And similarly, maintained my interest in sports and orthopedic PT, did my best to try and line up, um, you know, internships in that area, identified volunteer opportunities, things I could do to kind of strengthen my case to hopefully as I 
began looking for first jobs. I would, um, you know, be as qualified as possible to be in a role where I could work with athletes. Um, lucky enough to find a really good job with MedStar Health, uh, their national rehab network. Uh, as my, it was my first uh, position. I was in their only office in Montgomery County, um, a little bit outside D.C. Uh, for a couple of years. Uh, and very lucky to have some fantastic mentors. Um, there's an orthopedic sports medicine surgeon who took an interest in me, um, allowed me to shadow him frequently in the, uh, in the OR um, and in his clinic, um, as well as helped me get introduced to some local athletic trainers who allowed me to, to shadow them on the sidelines and in their training rooms um, after school, kind of at the high school level. Um, and so that was kind of one of my first ways to kind of get involved with team care, start seeing a higher volume of athletes. Um, I became known as kind of one of the go-tos for sports rehab in that area. Um, and then kind of fast forward a little bit, um, that company was developing an internal uh, sports residency. Um, and I was lucky enough to go through that program when it was kind of in the early developing stages before it was ultimately accredited um, and exists as it does today. Um, and again, they're fortunate enough to have some fantastic mentors to allow me to do some shadowing with Georgetown University and kind of get connected to some other physical therapists, athletic trainers, uh, physicians who helped kind of guide me and educate me along the way. Um, so kind of continuing on, I uh, was still working for MedStar at the time. And after finishing that program and getting exposed a little bit more to the college athletics world, um, uh, myself and my boss, who was very supportive of me, uh, we had some conversations locally with some of the um, universities in the Baltimore area. Um, and one university, Loyola, uh, was interested in connecting our medical services, which was provided by MedStar Sports Medicine with PT services. Um, and so I was able to, to join on as the team physical therapist with them for a couple of years. Um, and so that was kind of my first opportunity to be more solo in the training room. That was kind of obviously outside of my time as a, as a resident, outside of my time as a college student working with the, uh, the PTs there. Um, and so I was, uh, you know, really enjoyed my time at Loyola for about three years, three seasons with them. Um, helped me grow a ton as a therapist, gain experience, kind of being the go-to person, you know, the one who's held accountable when things are working well, when things aren't working well. Um, and really helped me kind of build my network and communication skills with other professionals in that in that team, um, as well as kind of learning how to communicate with coaches, administrators, and so definitely helped me kind of grow up, in a sense. Uh, and then the uh, the position with the University of Maryland came along, and um, you know I certainly felt qualified, but definitely in having some contacts there for my time as a student was was probably helpful um, in being offered that position, and ultimately that's where I am today. Gotcha. And so you've, you've kind of had quite a few stops along the way. Um, and was when you started your, your sports PT journey, did you ever dream of kind of being involved in teaching in any capacity? So the teaching is something I sort of fell into. Um, when I was going through PT school in my second year, I was able to be a teaching assistant for anatomy. And that was really my first opportunity to start working with students, even though they were just a year younger than me, but had the opportunity to mentor them, to help educate them, to share things that helped me and kind of pass that along. Um, I really do, you know, did enjoy that. Um, so that was kind of my first, um, you know, step into the teaching world. Um, 
when I was working, uh, you know, originally in that outpatient clinic, I took on PT students, uh, definitely had an interest in getting to know, you know, the new grads that we hired and helping them along the way. So definitely kind of over time, that interest grew. Um, it wasn't something that I, you know, earlier um, during PT school or even before that had something that w- it wasn't something that I had sort of intended on getting into. But the more I did it, the more I realized I liked it. Um so I had a couple other opportunities to do some volunteer teaching and then kind of was formally appointed an adjunct. Uh, and then once this role came along where I would teach regularly, um, in addition to working with a clinical responsibility, it was definitely something that I was excited and, and something I'm, I'm really happy that I'm doing today. Gotcha. And so now that you've been teaching for a while and all sorts of different capacities, um, what are some good or qualities of students that you think or deem as good, you know, whether they're you know, undergraduate students are just shadowing if they're, you know, first clinical rotation PT students or even new grad who are, you know, borderline still students, you know, just coming out of school. What are some qualities that you notice make a good student? I think one of the biggest ones is just to be organized. Obviously, PT school, as we all probably can agree, is extremely time consuming, very, very busy, a lot of moving parts. And so I think developing, you know, your time management and organization skills helps you a ton. I mean, there's it's really difficult as a faculty member to to get a, you know, an email at two in the morning from a student, you know, the, the night before a test asking me a last minute question. And I'm thinking, you know, if you had asked me a week ago, I'd, there would be so many more things I could do to help you prepare and help you study versus, you know, a few hours before the test There's only so much that can be done. So I think the more organized you are and the more you can build those skills early on, I think the better our students are likely to do. Um, I think another big one is you get out what you put in. I mean, ultimately, PT school is adult learning. And so our expectation as faculty members is that our students come prepared. And when we give them assignments, when we provide them with their schedule and their syllabus, it is a little bit on the student to make sure that they're doing their part to be ready for class. And they actually are, are keeping themselves organized and accountable to all the things that need to get done. So as much as I want our students to succeed, I certainly can't do it for them. And so, you know, the more I understand what they've put in to prepare themselves, the easier it is for me to help them. You know, it's so much easier for me to help them fine tune a skill than to teach it from scratch the day before a test when it's, you know, been taught and expected that they, you know, they paid attention in, in lecture and lab the week before. So I think those are probably a couple of the bigger ones. And, and as faculty, it's easy for me to see when a student's doing their part, um, it's very it's it's very obvious the way that they can grow and the curriculum builds and they can continue to kind of step forward. Um, you know, the ones that that seem to struggle or the, the ones that it just seems every class, no matter what, it's kind of the same problem. It's it's the time management. It's the inability to kind of stick to, to the schedule and to be prepared. Uh, and those problems, unfortunately, compound themselves. Right. Um, so I kind of want to rewind a little bit more. So back to your time with. Um while you were shadowing and getting into PT, was there any particular experiences that stuck out to you that kind of made you think, okay, I think sports PT is something I would like to do as a career? Yeah. So, I mean, growing up, I was always interested in in sports and I realized at a pretty young age that I wasn't going to be a professional baseball player or anything like that. And so sports medicine kind of felt like a natural fit. Um, You know, I've always had a greater interest in science. My parents kind of work in the science field. And so that was always something I, I gravitated to more so than English and history and things like that. So kind of always had, you know, healthcare somewhere in the back of my mind, um, you know, even when I was much younger. 
Uh, but definitely that time when I was introduced to our physical therapist who was working with the Terps uh, when I was a junior in college, that's what really opened to my eyes of, okay, there is a very unique uh, subset of our PT field where we are working with high level athletes and we do have our ability to kind of use our hands, use our skills, use our, our exercise progressions to help people get back onto the field and be successful. Um, and I was always interested in that. Um, you know, working in an outpatient office was fantastic because obviously you get to spend lots of time with people and you still get to help them meet their goals. But I think there was just something about being in the sports medicine setting, being in the athletic training facility and working with the athletes day in and day out, and then being able to stick with them, you know, even after they go back to play, being able to still kind of catch them in the hallway or have them stop by and say hello, just that team atmosphere was the one that really stuck with me. Right. I think that's kind of like one of the sinking po or the hitting points for everybody that wants to do sports PT is that continuity. Like after you finish the rehab, you're getting, being able to see them on the field and kind of tracking their progress afterwards. You know, whereas if you're working with general population patients, usually for the most part, you don't really see those patients again, unless you run into them at the grocery store or anything like that. Um, so kind of talking a little bit more about your time in, in residency, you said that you were kind of working in that system prior to beginning the residency. Um, but what are some of those characteristics that you look for when you're looking for mentorship? Um, whether it's, you know, a formal mentorship, like a residency program, or if you're at work and you have a clinician that you look up to, what are some characteristics that you're like, okay, this is what I need for in a mentorship? Yeah. So one of the most important things about mentoring is it's a two-way street, right? And so the the mentee is getting just as much out of the relationship as the mentor and vice versa, right? And so it's not just about somebody who's a superior, who's just, you know, or somebody who's more um, senior or somebody who's more experienced, just kind of guiding a younger person along the way. It really needs to be a relationship, a commitment from both sides, right? And so the, the mentee is asking challenging questions that helps the mentor grow uh, and then vice versa, right? The mentee is likely receiving life experiences and education and the benefit of the things that that mentor has already learned and done in their own career. Um, and so I think the one of the biggest keys is finding a mentor that is just as invested in your career as much as you look up to them, you know, and so it really needs to be somebody who's going to take the time to get to know you, to understand your strengths and weaknesses, understand where you are in your journey and meet you there and help kind of bring you along. Right. And so it's not the same as a faculty member per se, who's got a curriculum and they're delivering that curriculum. Um, you know, so the mentee mentor relationship is not, as rigid in that sense where we have to go through these certain topics. It's really about identifying where the mentee is in their journey and how that mentor can meet them there and kind of continue their, you know, their growth. Right. And so um, let's say you're a prospective mentee. Uh, what's one way that you can kind of make sure that you are, you know, fully taking in what the mentor has to say? Cause sometimes it's easy to kind of just listen and, not really put that into practice. So what, what are some things that you do to kind of make sure whatever lesson is being taught or explained, you make sure that you actually put it into good use? So I think it's identifying, you know, learning styles, you know, and so I work with lots of our students um, and, and I really try my best to take the time to get to know them on a personal level, you know, and so before we really can get onto some of these bigger picture things that they want to get to, I really want to know who they are, what their goals and interests are, what makes them tick, and then how they like to communicate. You know, some folks do really well with email, some prefer 
phone calls. Some prefer the camera on, some prefer the camera off, right? So it's just really about what can I do to make that person comfortable and then how can we connect? Um, you know, and, and then assuming that we do connect then it's much more organic, you know, we can very easily pivot to some more detailed conversations, sometimes hard conversations, or I can really help, they can help me understand what they're looking to get out of our relationship. Um, you know, and occasionally we're not a good fit, you know, something about, you know, my teaching style, I'm unable to adapt it to their learning style, and maybe we're just not going to be the best of communicators. And so identifying that early on and not forcing a relationship that may not you know, work per se for, for one of the, or one of the other two parties. Um, I think that's important too. Um, you know, I, I may not be the most qualified person or the most helpful person to every other every one of my students or anybody that I want to help, um, you know, and vice versa. There might be other faculty members or other great mentors out there um, that are just much more natural fits. Um, and so, you know, I think ultimately just identifying the best fit, how each person in that relationship can adapt their style to get to a point where they're going to be really strong communicators with each other. That's probably the most important step. Gotcha. And, you know, I, that's definitely something I'm going to take into account, you know, when looking for, um, you know, future mentors, or if I were to be in the opposite role as a mentor, um, you know, as a clinical instructor in the future. Um, so I think those are all great pieces of advice that we can all take into practice. Um, so I wanted to get a little bit more into a sports specific uh, kind of questions. So what do you do? Or how do you kind of change your management style or treatment style? Um, when working with patients that have an acute injury, let's say, they just sustained an ankle injury the d day prior, um, and they need to get back out into the fields and playing in a couple of days versus um, a patient that's been dealing with a, a longer term non-surgical injury, but, you know, is coming back in like six to eight weeks. How do you kind of change your treatment style for those two particular scenarios? Sure. So on the acute stage, there's obviously a little bit more that goes into management of that, right? And so whether that's communicating with their athletic trainer to make sure I understand exactly the nature of the injury, communicating with our physicians to understand what's going to go on from a medical management. Is this person going to go see a certain specialist? Do we need to immobilize this person? Um, do they require use of certain medications to manage their symptoms on the early end? What modalities are going to be used to kind of manage the acute impairments and deficits and swelling and loss of range of motion and things like that. So just making sure we have a really solid game plan of kind of getting through that initial stage of recovery, you know? So before somebody's ready to go back to play, we still need to make sure that our early impairments have been resolved and we can make sure that they can walk comfortably and we can make sure we can manage things like that. Um, so I think this kind of step one with any new patient is kind of getting on the same page with our entire medical and healthcare staff. And so communicating with our physicians and strength coaches, athletic trainers. We also have a team of sports uh, psychology, uh, sports nutrition team. And so just making sure we all are aware of all the different touch points that that athlete has. Um, what are the things that need to get done? You know, certain acute injuries may require them missing class or altering their plan. They may not be able to travel with the team or something like that. So sometimes we have to get the academic side involved. So just making sure that all the things that you know, are affected when somebody stains an acute injury, we've kind of checked all those boxes and made sure that the athlete has the support system around them to kind of get through those early stages. 
Um, once we're able to identify what we anticipate this person's recovery looking like, then each of us can kind of fill in those gaps of what their role is. And so my role is most often to provide a large portion of the rehabilitation, uh, but certainly that doesn't mean I provide all the rehabilitation. And so there's lots of things that get done by our strength and conditioning specialists, by our athletic trainers, uh, by our sport position coaches that help fill in all those other um you know, needs uh, of that person recovering from the injury. So really it's just about identifying what is likely a big and multifactorial problem in the acute stage and coming up with a progressive rehab problem that kind of covers all those needs. Um, oftentimes, you know, when we're thinking about an acute injury, we're thinking about that occurring during the competitive season. And so we have to be aware of, you know, what is an appropriate game to return to? What criteria would we use to determine when somebody's ready to begin jogging or return to practice or return to a competitive situation and what do we think that you know should look like for that for this person kind of gets the second part of your question is how is that a little bit different from the more chronic situation um, so that could be an individual who might be playing through this injury they may have you know back pain that has existed throughout their athletic career and it's more about what can we do to manage this what can we do to maximize how they you know their performance minimize how this you know chronic condition impacts them um, you know, it's a similar thought process. It might not be quite as linear. You know, they might kind of have symptoms that kind of go through peaks and valleys kind of throughout their competitive season. Um, so there might be periods where they might have an acute on chronic presentation and I, I might have to get a little bit more hands on or it might be about teaching them more self-management and things they can do while they're traveling and on the road um, or identifying things that they can do before practice or before a game or after practice or a game to kind of get their symptoms um, to a more easily managed situation. So I think the, the principles are fairly similar. Uh, the acute injury might be a little bit more linear, hopefully. Um, certainly there's times where things don't go to plan, uh, but the chronic condition, if that's someone who's able to play with what they've got going on, um, you know, things kind of ebb and flow a little bit more, I would say. Gotcha. Um, and so when you're working with these athletes, one of the questions I always ask is, um, like how to get that athlete buy-in. Some athletes um, may have had poor experiences with sports medical professionals in their, you know, past like past um, experiences, whether it's in high school or with other teams or anything like that. So, what do you kind of do to kind of get that athlete buy-in to make sure that the, you're on they're on the same page um, with you for their rehab program and make sure that they fully trust you? Because a lot of times athletes are guarded and who they trust. And so, how do you kind of make sure? get them on your side to realize, Hey, we're all on the same team here and we're all trying to make sure that you get better. Yeah, sure. There's a couple things I think are helpful. I think one is you have to show how much you care. And so if I have an appointment with somebody and you know, we're scheduled to meet at 11 o'clock, you know, before 11 o'clock that day, I'm going to speak with their athletic trainer. I'm going to make sure I have a good background on what the history looks like and what this case is going to present like. I might reach out to the physicians or other members of our healthcare team just to show this athlete that I've done my homework. I'm prepared uh, for their first visit. You know, there's nothing worse, um, you know, than when I see a physical therapist who's unprepared, you know, they show up late or they're drinking their coffee or they're not really engaged in what that visit needs to be. And so when I, sh when I show up prepared and I tell this athlete that I've done my chart review, I reviewed their medical history and I know exactly what I need to know before even working with them, I think that shows the level of professionalism. And I think that goes a long way. Um, I think another one is just to be present throughout your time, you know, on campus or in the athletic training room. 
So I make an effort to say hello to as many people as possible. I make an effort to get to know our athletes, you know, when they're healthy and they don't require my services, you know, and when you get to know them on a personal level before they, you know, may sustain an injury, it makes it a lot easier for them to say, okay, well, I already know Mike and, you know, we've already had conversations. He knows who I am. He knows what sport I play. He asked me about my major and how my week's going. And so when you just get to know them on a personal level, when when you're fortunate enough to do that potentially before an injury is sustained, it just makes it so much easier because you already have that connection. They know that you know them, um, you know, they know that you care. And then you take that extra step by doing your homework and being prepared for them, you know, at the time of the actual, you know, first appointment. Um, I think that just really shows that you've gone above and beyond. And I think that probably helps a lot. Yeah, I think that that principle of making sure getting to know the person before you know, the athlete can be applied to, to every, every population. I think, um, whether it's general orthopedics or, or neuro, it, people kind of connect to you more when they they, you can remember their spouse's name or their kid's name, or that they went to go on a trip that past weekend. I think that connects to the, that makes them feel welcomed and heard and that you actually listened to them and remembered what they did, um, for their birthday or whatever it is. And I think that helps build that personal bond and connection. Um, so last couple questions before we get you out of here, Mike, um, kind of walk us through a day in the life of what it's like to be you. Um, so you kind of wear a lot of different hats. So I guess a general, a general day in the life for you since you teach and you're also a treating therapist for a college team. Sure. Uh, so, you know, so just like I mentioned, I, you know, I encourage our students to be as organized and keep their schedule, um, you know, keep their calendar clean. I try and do the same. So I, I am a little bit all over the place. And because I do wear a lot of hats, it's really important for me to know what my schedule is and kind of keep my calendar uh, very organized. So I go to the University of Maryland College Park Athletic Department three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then Tuesday and Thursday, I go to UMBC that's University of Maryland, Baltimore County for those two half days. And then I go to our PT school for the other part of that half day. Um, and occasionally that alternates morning versus afternoon, just depends on our schedule from uh, teaching. And, and we do our best to plan that, you know, well in advance. So before the semester, I set up my calendar, I let the university know if I'm coming in the morning or the afternoon, and we kind of get that on our central sports med calendar. Uh, when I'm seeing patients, um, you know, we are billing insurance, and so we still go through a lot of the administrative, um, you know, responsibilities or tasks that, you know, m- that most listeners are probably familiar with. Um, and so I identify my schedule ahead of time. We have a, an administrative team that does insurance verification, verifies benefits, let me know anything I need to be aware of. Um, you know, I, I communicate with our physicians, athletic trainers, all the members of our healthcare team to identify, you know, who my physical therapy patients are going to be. Um, and so we, and then we create our schedule for that day that gets communicated to our administrative team and they kind of load that up into my, my EMR. Um, and then I go through my clinical day, you know, and I see appointments, we, we, we schedule our patients when, you know, when they're available between practices, between class, whatever hours work best for them. Um, you know, and then I go through my typical process of evaluating them, identifying what I can do to help them. And then I do my best to provide, you know, as as quality of rehab as I can. Um, and then making sure I'm, you know, um, reserving time to communicate, um, and and making sure I'm letting the other members of the healthcare team know what I'm doing, what I'm seeing, what I'm thinking about this person. We can put our heads together and come up with our return to play plan or what we think the rest of this, you know, the week in their rehab program is going to look like. Um, that's kind of a loose overview of what the time looks like on campus. 
Um, and then on those Tuesdays and Thursdays, I have to hustle over to the PT school and make sure I'm prepared for lab um, or my lectures. And so that way I can be present and be, you know, be ready and available to teach our students there. Gotcha. Um, and so what would you say is the best part about working um, and teaching for the University of Maryland? Is there anything that sticks out that you think back and you're like, all right, this is what this is what makes my job very enjoyable? Yeah, I really enjoy the variety of what I do. Um, so because uh, my role with both universities is to work kind of generally throughout the athletic department, I, I'm not assigned to just one team or a certain set of teams um, that helps me see a lot of different things and, you know, injuries from head to toe, athletes from all over the country, all over the world. And so just kind of getting to appreciate so much diversity in what I do is something I really enjoy. So it keeps the job really fresh. I, I never get tired of what I do because I'm going to alternate from working with a gymnast and then a volleyball player and then a basketball player. And they're just going to have totally different goals and needs and injury patterns. And the time of the season is going to be a little bit different. And so I think that just keeps things fresh. It certainly keeps me on my toes, but it's very enjoyable. Um, and then I contrast that with the PT school where I'm getting to work with, you know, future professionals in, in this field and individuals who some want to go to sports and some want to go into pediatrics and oncology. And so making sure that I stay well-rounded and I can communicate with different people, you know, so I have my kind of sports rehab time, but then I kind of have my overall PT student and helping them grow and to get to where they need to be. So I think just having all of that different variety, you know, and, and things that, you know, on the surface feel very different, but the reality is it's really just about connecting with people and meeting them where they are. Um, and so that's definitely something that I enjoy. Right. Um, and so do you have any advice for anybody that's, since you kind of have two different roles, since you are a professor, do you have any advice for anybody that wants to get into PT school? And then for anybody that wants to be um, a sports PT, whether what, no matter what stage they're in, if they're an undergrad or in high school or, you know, early career professionals, what advice do you have anybody that wants to be a sports physical therapist? Sure. So the kind of general thoughts about kind of getting into PT school and, and things that I consider when we're thinking about admissions is we definitely like our students to be well, well-rounded. And so we want to know that our students have interests both in the classroom and outside the classroom. Um, certainly our, you know, because we know that it's that PT school is a rigorous program, you know, students who have demonstrated the work ethic to do well during school, to be prepared for the GRE, you know, all those things, you know, do show up on your application. And I think it's important to put your best foot forward, right? And so in your personal statements, in your essays, you know, you want to make sure that those are going to be the best representation of yourself, right? And if there's things that, you know, you feel the need to address, I think it's important to be honest about those things. You know, there were definitely times where we've had students who, you know, may not have had, you know, they may have had a year where their, their grades weren't what they were in the other years during college, you know, but they address that during their personal statement and they, they explain that they may have had a personal situation going on. And I think just that honesty and, and doing their best to help our school know who they are as a person, what their interests are. I think those are the things that really stand out on applications. Cause I think the reality is we get a ton of applications and we do need to do our best to try and differentiate students who we think will be successful in our program. Um, when it comes to a little bit more specific content about sports PT, I think networking is definitely a big 
uh, piece that I really would encourage students and young professionals to take advantage of. Uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be where I am, and I can say with certainty that a lot of the things that have helped me along the way, you know, were my mentors and the folks that I stayed in touch with. Um, you know, because that certainly helps you become aware of jobs before they get posted, or you kind of hear about conversations about things that are happening. Um, and I think just knowing those things ahead of time and kind of being involved in those conversations before that job hits, you know, a job post, I think that certainly goes a long way um, because I think that puts you in your best position uh, to be successful. Um, you know, the, the American Academy of Sports PT is growing tremendously in their online uh, networking and program offerings. Um, you know, CSM is this upcoming week. You know, they have their other annual conference in the fall in Indianapolis. Uh, they've got a ton of great online opportunities with Mobilize and some fantastic you know, pod, um, uh, podcasts and webinars that go online very frequently. Um, certainly, there's plenty of other, you know, private organizations that are putting together great networking groups. Um, you know, podcasts such as this really help you get to hear different names, great ways for you to get to know who's in your area or who's doing the kind of thing that you might want to do. You know, so just doing your best to take advantage of any of those opportunities and put yourself out there because uh, it's hard to think that that job's just going to fall in your lap unless you've done something to be ready for it. Right. Um, I think those are great pieces of advice. I think um, I'm, I'm actually going to be attending CSM. Um, actually, we leave tomorrow morning. Um, I'm very excited to kind of meet and network with all these different sports professionals. So um, for anybody that's listening, networking is probably one of the most um, harped on pieces of advice that people have given in this podcast. So that's something I will definitely be taking into consideration going forward. Um, Mike, thank you so much for giving um, so much of your time and sharing so many of your experiences. Is there anything that you would like to plug or anything like that? Um, well, first, I just want to say thanks for having me. This was a cool experience, and I, I really love being able to, to talk shop with interested individuals and like-minded individuals. So thanks to you for what you're doing. Um, I also do serve as a volunteer. Uh, I'm the new vice president um, for the American Academy of Sports PTs uh, college and professional sports SIG. Uh, and so if you're going to CSM and you hear this before you get there, please make sure to check out the business meeting. Uh, that's going to be this upcoming uh, Thursday, uh, February 3rd. Not sure when this is going to get um, get uh, published, but um, if, you, if you hear this in time, definitely check us out at that meeting. Um, you know, please like us on um, Instagram and Twitter. We certainly do our best to put out content about some of the things that we're doing, some of the networking events and webinars, uh, journal clubs that we're doing there. I think it's a great way for students and young professionals to get involved in the college and pro sports world, just at the very least to hear from some individuals who are already in those kinds of positions. Um, and I think it just brings up a great way to kind of learn and kind of model some good behavior. So uh, definitely do your best to get involved in uh, the SIG uh, there. Perfect. I will make sure I can link all of those things down below so people can easily access that and uh, try to get involved as quickly as possible. Um, well, Mike, thank you again for being such a great guest and being so gracious for the time. And this has been the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. Thanks, Jason. Thank you to Mike Zara of the University of Maryland for coming on to the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. If you liked what you heard from today's episode and want to hear more from great feature guests, please like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening. Oh.